power of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen. your eyes just focus on how awesome God is how good he has been to you even if God has done nothing for you at all he forgives you when you sin this week alone you can count many of them and that makes him an awesome God just begin to bless his holy name just lift up your voice just lift up your voice meditate on his awesomeness in various aspects of our lives there's this simple song if you know it just sing along with us it's just one line such an awesome God such an awesome God such an awesome God That's the whole song. Such an awesome God. 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 
awesome all your joy. this place and the hearts and the minds of the people of God sanctified and made ready for them to have an encounter with their father this morning the glory father the glory son the glory holy spirit in Jesus most excellent name are we prayed with thanksgiving amen somebody put your hands together for the Lord oh your clap is weak hallelujah we bless God for some morning like this. Hallelujah. Today's service is a packed one. Hallelujah. Yeah, because it's also a communion service. Amen. And then we will have our wallet versus purses <laughs> offering today. Today we are changing inside small. Instead of doing it according to the day bonds. We are pitching the males against the females. Hallelujah. So it's wallets versus purses. We shall see which one is bigger. Or which one is heavier. It's not about the size. <laughs> it's not about the size. The men, let's show that the end you chop money, no. You understand? They are more than us in number. Generally, women love God more than men. So every church, the women are the majority. But we, we have to show that we, we take care of the home. Hallelujah. Yesterday when the males against females was declared, there, there was some money that was supposed to come to me. It went through my wife and I told her to keep it. 
Atoya ifamadi mami. Bring it back. <laughs> Hallelujah. As for the building, we shall build it. Hallelujah. Tell somebody we shall build it. And our building, there will be no. How many doom souls did we have this morning? Multiple. Our building, there will be no doom soul like that there. Hallelujah. Yeah, so when you are giving, give generously. Amen. I said this building, we will finish it in record time. The key phrase is record time. Somebody say record time. Say it again, record time. Hallelujah. And that thing that generations will come and pass and the building is still... No, no, no. It is not our portion. We are blessed and anointed to build. Today, I'll upload the prayer I prayed over the land when the pastorate went to anoint it and bless it. You see, the fact that you have acquired it in the physical doesn't mean you own it in the spirit. So we had to go and possess it in the spirit. Hallelujah. Cancel any negative words that have been spoken over the land and evict any spiritual squatters. Any presence that is not the presence of God. We had to pray and evict it and open the heavens and perpetually create a portal between that portion of the earth and heaven. Hallelujah. So I'll upload it. And when I upload it, respond with an amen and connect to whatever I say. Because I made certain declarations under the unction of the Holy Ghost. And you need to connect with those statements. Hallelujah. Alright. So this morning, because the, the service is packed, I will speak for a very short time. We'll do our communion and then we'll have our offering, our special offering for today. You know, when Gina was leading the worship, she said, it's new beginnings. Somebody say new beginnings. Yeah, it's a very strategic time. And there will be some new beginnings in your life. Oh, I said there will be some new beginnings in your life. When I mount this pulpit and I begin to speak, don't take the words I speak here for granted at all. Because sometimes some of the things I say myself, I don't know what I'm saying. I said there will be new beginnings in your life. Confusions will be settled this man. Where you don't know where to go, whether left or right, it will be settled this month in the name of Jesus. Those things that make you wake up at night sweating and wondering how, the answer to the how will come this month. Oh, I said the answer to the how will come this month. The answer to the where will come this month. The answer to the when will come this month. And the answer to the who will come this month. Hallelujah. Bless God. And you see, when we talk about new things, it's not just money, it's not just breakthroughs, those ones will come. But some of the new things will come in the form of attitudinal changes, positive attitudinal changes. Hallelujah. Yeah, that is why today's message is good for you, especially at a time when we are entering new beginnings hallelujah this morning i want to speak to you on i won't be able to finish it another time i'll continue all right because there's so much to say under this topic this morning i want to speak to you on what i've entitled the power of self-discipline hallelujah the power of self-discipline somebody say self-discipline 
Say it again. Self-discipline. Alright. So what is self-discipline? I looked for the meaning of self-discipline. And this is what I found. It says self-imposed standards for the sake of a higher goal. Self-imposed standards for the sake of a higher goal. Let's say it together. Self-imposed standards for the sake of a higher goal. Hallelujah. That is what self-discipline means. You see, self-discipline is so important and so key in every aspect of life. Ministry, career, marriage, your interpersonal relationships with people, everywhere. Christians must exhibit self-discipline. Hallelujah. A lot of Christians are not seeing the promises of God in the word in their life. And it's not because a demon is fighting you. It's not because your ancestors have drawn a line in the spirit. Sometimes they do. (laughs) It's simply because you are not applying self-discipline. Amen. You see, we think every result, every good result we see, whether in business or in ministry or wherever, is just as a result of a certain grace that is upon the person. That aspect is there. But if you want to be consistent and have longevity in that thing that you are expressing, self-discipline is key. Hallelujah. I'll show you from the Bible that you see, Jesus was anointed. No two ways about it. The Bible said he was anointed without measure. I keep saying that everybody, when God is going to anoint you, he measures it. Some people is tablespoon. Some people is teaspoon. Some people is margarine tin. Some people is olunka. Others, it is a barrel. Some people is a wheelbarrow. <laughs> May you receive wheelbarrow anointing in the name of Jesus. But the Bible says Jesus was anointed without measure. That means God didn't measure it. He gave it to him in a limitless if I say proportion it's like part of it was limitless. The anointing upon Jesus Christ's life was limitless. So you would expect that somebody who is this anointed when he was baptized the heavens opened. The spirit of God descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I mean, all of these things. This man should just walk in this grace. And it will work for him. You see, we think people are just walking in grace. But behind the scenes, there is discipline. Hallelujah. Somebody say discipline. Jesus was disciplined enough to be able to fast for 40 days. You... <laughs> Even two days is a problem. The six to six, you no, know, by the time it reaches one o'clock, your discipline or your indiscipline steps in and you begin to rationalize and give the theology of the Daniel fast. Where the Bible said he had no pleasant food. He didn't say he didn't eat any food, but he had no pleasant food. That means he didn't eat the things that he liked. That means if he's drinking porridge, he only add sugar but no milk. That is a Daniel fast. You continue in that theology. May the Lord help you. (laughs) 
and so you decide to visit the fridge and Danielize your fast some of you your fast is not Daniel it is Zacchaeus you know Zacchaeus very short extremely short by 10 o'clock your stomach is churning and temptation is calling you you are tempting temptation somebody say indiscipline you see you will not get to certain levels with God let me just be plain with you you will not there are certain levels with God you will not get to if you can't fast if you don't fast and it's not just about fasting but fasting consistently hallelujah don't deceive yourself you see you can pray all the prayers and pray the heavens should be opened upon you oil can be poured upon your head yes the grace will come upon you you may manifest it once in a while but for you to walk in the consistency of what you have believed or of what you have received behind the scenes discipline is important the reason why the olympic games are so emotional is that what you see is the result of discipline four years of training in this particular olympics it's actually five years because it was supposed to have happened last year five years of training and it's very difficult to get an olympic medal that's why the people cry when they get it the last time ghana won a medal at the olympic games was in 1992 that's almost 30 years and it was a bronze medal in football with overage players so one of them one of the people who played in that what do you call it recently they interviewed him they said, oh, so, uh, football age <laughs> 35 year old people play under 20 and the coaches know the management know so they make sure when you are going for that tournament, there was an under 17 tournament. They said, all of you, make sure you go with shaving stick. The beard. <laughs> to make sure everybody you are shaving your beard. Because there's some kind of beard you don't expect in a 17-year-old. So make sure before you come out in the morning, but now there's MRI to detect. So we are not doing well. When was the last time we won under 17? After they brought the MRI to detect the age, what they call it, we've not won it again. But it's very difficult to win a medal at the Olympic Games because it takes discipline, a lot of hard work. Before the 1992, when I checked, the last time we won was in 72. There was another bronze medal in boxing. And before that, we won in 1964. It was also in boxing. So since 1992, for about 30 years now, we've not been able to win an Olympic medal. But, but this year, at least this dawn, one of our boxers entered the medal zone. So we are sure that at least bronze there we shall get. Hallelujah. At least bronze there we shall get. May God make it a gold for us now. Never had one before. There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. It's not just talent. I was listening to an athletics coach on the, the physics behind a 100-meter race. I realized, look, it's not just a matter of on your mask, get set, and you run. No. There's, there's a lot of technique in it. The things they are doing, and they've done it for years, is in their muscle memory. Because when you get up, when they say, on your mask, get set, go like that, and you get up. 
there is a calculation as to when to straighten your body fully if you don't get that calculation right and that timing right it can shave off a lot of seconds and you know with 100 meters for example it's about microseconds the world record is 9.58 seconds 100 meters it's microseconds micro microseconds how you lift your body how you time the lifting of your body can determine whether you are first or last these are things that people develop you you watch from afar and you think oh it's just a matter of Charlie throw your legs somewhere and do things and you are there no it's not like that there's a lot of calculation in it the long distance running is a lot of calculation there's something they call the kick if you kick too quickly if it's a 10,000 meter race by the time it gets to 9,000 meters you are out of gas and the rest of the people will just come and pass you like that a lot of calculation a lot of technique you see a footballer like Cristiano Ronaldo the reason I like him is that he's not naturally that talented more talented footballers have come whose names will never be mentioned among the all-time greats but you can't list write a list of all-time greatest footballers and leave Cristiano Ronaldo's name out of it we all saw him when he started he wasn't like this oh yeah we could see there was some amount of talent but his talent wasn't extraordinary this guy is a hard worker he is disciplined and i hear he has imposed that discipline upon his child he's like eight years old or something cristiano ronaldo jr when you see the kind of exercises the guy is doing when cristiano ronaldo removes his shirt and the ladies are going oh oh the six pack no it didn't come by sleeping no <laughs> He has the highest number of followers on, is it Facebook or Instagram? 200 and something million. I hear for every tweet or everything he posts, because of the number of hits he gets on the internet, he can make about $1 million just by posting something on his page. If it was me, may post the post. Ah, I'll post in a TDS morning afternoon i'll make a qid morning some 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 four times a day uh -uh. but this is good they post once in a long while because there are other things that are making money for them because of their discipline because of their discipline it's not just about talent just like in ministry it's not just about anointing it's not just about giftings there is discipline behind the scene that you must learn You think the singers and the worshippers you admire is just anointing. No, it's not just anointing. They practice. They practice with their backers. They practice with their instrumentalists. They, they plan the administrations well. They plan the administrations well. Some of the most successful ministers, preachers that you see, there's a lot of work behind the scenes that they do. Some of them do voice training. Voice training is not only for singers. I know preachers who didn't like their voices and they went through voice training to train their voices to sound a certain way. There are books they have read. One man of God I admire so much was showing how he became the preacher he is now. And he was showing a particular book on public speaking that he was reading like hey we see these people and we think oh it's all about anointing and 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 you sit down and you 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 feel sad because you think god hasn't given you what they have god gave them something but they worked on it 
they added value to it by walking in discipline hallelujah yeah the best of athletes and the best of footballers most of them when you go into their private lives it's not that they can't afford alcohol but they don't drink it because of discipline somebody like cristiano ronaldo says he will never put a tattoo on his body and the reason is that that would disqualify him from being a blood donor we blood people if you have a tattoo we don't like you we don't want your blood so universally if you have a tattoo you cannot donate blood and because of that he has refused to put on a tattoo these people have have principles they are very disciplined people behind the scenes hallelujah if you want to excel at anything you have to be disciplined choir if you want to be the choir god has prophesied you will be you have to be disciplined hallelujah you need to be consistent in your rehearsals you see this thing that today there are nine people at rehearsal tomorrow seventh the next time eight even on the stage when we did the music concert hey this choir is huge the week after it was just about nine people who were there i was like no this is indiscipline me when you do the right thing i'll praise you and when you don't do the, the right thing to i'll go there hallelujah you need to be more consistent in your practice because the thing is that you are not being consistent in your practice and that is why you can't come onto the stage you are swiping the practice you are swiping the rehearsals you see when we stand here we see a lot of things so. there are times we have to import people from uh, tenor to come and sing all two sometimes I'm, there, I'm like ah why are there so many tenor people then i'll get the inside that uh the auto people are not enough so some of the guys have to lower their you know and sing uh-huh oh we see things so <laughs> when we are here we see a lot of things because sometimes i wonder i know most of the time i know the tenor people so they're about four or so tenor i'm like ah why the imbalance but the thing is that they have to make up for auto hallelujah oh praise the lord why are you angry with me don't be angry with me at all it is a therapeutic um, message amen we need to be disciplined a lot of the struggles we struggle as Christians most of the time it's not like there are demons behind it we are just not disciplined enough let me tell you that some of the besetting sins you are struggling with the solution is not deliverance it's just for you to be disciplined enough to be consistent with the things of the spirit being consistent with the word, being consistent with prayer, being consistent with fasting, being consistent with fellowshipping with the brethren. That is all you need. Because the Bible says what? Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. It's as simple as that. Those desires of the flesh that are worrying you, the, the, the solution is walking in the spirit. Being continually in the spirit. Praying consistently. Reading the word consistently. Fasting consistently by doing that you are elevating your spirit man and bringing down your flesh that is the solution you need you may not need anybody to lay hands on you even though sometimes you do need some hands to be laid upon you hallelujah somebody say discipline you need to be disciplined you need to discipline yourself when it comes to sleep 
Hallelujah. Some of us love to sleep. Sleep is not difficult for us at all. While some people are struggling with insomnia. And they need diazepam and lorazepam. And all kinds of drugs to be able to sleep. You sleep comes easily and naturally. Everywhere you can sleep. In a car. Whether the car is yours or not. Unya lift kakra peobeda. Taxi, Uber. There are people, taxis have taken them far away past the place they are supposed to get down. And it's because they are sleeping. All you need is a surface. Whether it's a vertical surface or horizontal surface, it is a surface. And I shall sleep. May you repent in Jesus' name. You need to discipline yourself. This indiscipline when it comes to sleep is the reason why a lot of people are late for appointments. Say lateness. When it comes to that aspect of discipline, it's as if there is a gene. When God was creating, as a, you see, it's, it's like we find it very funny, but it's serious. I hear in some of the European countries, they have different services, like the church. Most of the time, the first service is, is the whites and the Hispanics who will attend. And they put the second service such that those who like to sleep and are late, the black people, they are the ones who attend the second service because the time for the first service, they can't. And some way, somehow, they lengthen the, 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 the time for the service for the black people. Because people will not be there at the beginning. If that thing is going to change, it must start from the church. Hallelujah. Those of us who have the spirit of God. I keep telling people, if the starting time is 8 o'clock and you come at 8.10, you are late. You know, some, some people feel, oh, 8.10, my yard, you have not done anything. You have not done well. I was telling my pastors recently that, you see, the key to being on time is that you must aim at getting there before time. Let me show you this secret. The key to being on time is to aim at getting there before time. So if the starting time is 8 o'clock, aim at getting there at 7.45. Because most of the time, what causes us to be late will be unforeseen circumstances. This morning, for example, me, I always aim at getting here around 7.45. When I was ready to come, I had a wardrobe malfunction. One button, in fact, two buttons just decided to give way. So I was like, oh, this one, let me just change the shirt. My father was like, oh, this one I can do it in a few minutes. So she quickly put the buttons together. But you see, because I had aimed at coming here at 7.45, it made up. If I had aimed at coming, coming here at 8 o'clock, I would have got it. So I, I wanted to be on time, especially because of what I was going to preach today. You understand? <laughs> I didn't want anything to change my sermon. You understand? So I can, I can have the moral right and the moral conviction to speak about what I want to speak about. So when we got to the car park, we checked the time. It was 8 o'clock exactly. Just like, hey, you're on time. I told her no. Because by the time I walk into this place, it will be one past eight. So I was one minute late today. That is my standard when it comes to lateness. 
But when I got here, the opening prayer hadn't started. But when opening prayer starts, it's not what determines your lateness. It is 8 o'clock time. When I got here, it was 8 o'clock exactly. I knew by the time I get in here, it will be one past eight. So today, I'm confessing that I was one minute late and it's not good enough. Look, this thing about being a stickler for time. I wasn't like that some time ago. I was like most of you. African in my nature. It was one meeting I had with a friend who is not a Ghanaian. We were supposed to have a meeting at Moving Pick some years back. And oh, my typical Ghanaian self, I got there a few minutes late. And in our conversation, he was talking about something. And he used me as an example. I'm not used to people being direct like that. Most of the time, people respect me. <laughs> and they don't talk to me anyhow. It was like, oh yeah. So for example, today like this, we were supposed to have met at this time and you came at, at so, so and so and so, so, so time. And he used something that his mother told him that when you have an appointment with someone and a person doesn't come on time, it means the person doesn't respect you. That thing hit me and I decided that day that this thing will stop. You see, most of the time, it's not like we can't be on time, but it is an attitude. It is a mentality we have. We feel it is okay to be late, but it's not okay to be late. Hallelujah. It's not okay to be late. One of the reasons we are late to is that we think everybody else will be late. So if we go there, we'll be too early. This church, when we say 8 o'clock, we start at 8 o'clock. Hallelujah. We don't do, we are starting at 8 o'clock and it will be for church service. 8 o'clock is 8 o'clock. We start at 8 o'clock. After that encounter with that gentleman, I decided, no, this thing, I can do it. It's just a matter of planning well. It's just a matter of planning well. You see, when you are consistently late, eh, it reveals certain things about you. One of them is that it reveals disorganization. Say disorganization. It can be an indication that you are disorganized. You are disorganized in your life. You are disorganized in your home. It could be. It could be. That you are not planning. Especially when you have a situation where okay at a point in time the service was 7 o'clock and you were getting here at 7.30 now the service is 8 if you're able to make it at 7.30 then you should be able to come at 8 o'clock but you see because of this attitudinal problem when the time shifts then you also shift if you're able to come at 7.30 when it was 7 o'clock then if the thing is now 8 o'clock, it shouldn't be a problem for you. But it is an attitudinal problem. It's a problem with your attitude. Hallelujah. Are you angry with me this morning? I don't even mind if you're angry with me. <laughs> it's a problem with our attitude. It shows disorganization. Either you like sleep too much or you're not organizing yourself well at home. It's a serious indicator. And all of us must work on it. Hallelujah. All of us must work on it. The ladies plan the makeup. The makeup, no plan it. If you know it's four layers you are going to do, wake up earlier and do first foundation, second, third, fourth. People spend more time on makeup for service than they spend on preparing themselves, their spirit. 
we are more worried about your bag matching your shoe than your attitude matching your worship a lot of people the worship you it doesn't match your attitude it doesn't match the bible says wherever two or three are gathered in my name i am there in their midst that means the moment two people gather jesus comes and because you are bigger than him you are bigger than what people say you are the champion you are the reason why we came you want Jesus to sit down and wait for you. Look, in a lot of serious state gatherings, eh, the president, being the most important person in the meeting, is the last to enter. Everybody sits. And nobody gets out. Even in a court, you all rise and the judge will leave before anybody gets up and leaves. That is respect. Hallelujah. We need to learn discipline. Discipline with tithing. Can I go there? Discipline with tithing. Oh, Christians are so indisciplined. This is it is only when it comes to tithing that we, we become dispensationalists. We are in the dispensation of grace. It was an old testament thing. Whether it's old testament or new testament, it has been proven over the years that tithe is what looks after the church. As a pastor, I can tell you, it's not the offering. If we say we would depend on Sunday offering, the things we are doing, we can't do. We've got two buses, done this, hiring this place, renting the office space, buying land, even building. It won't be possible. Because some of you, you have decided you will not grow in your giving. Even when you grow in your earnings, you don't grow in your giving. You've decided that red note, red note, red note, red note, that is all that you will give. <laughs> Tithing is, is a need. One of these, I'm going to do a series on Christian giving and I will explain some of these things to you. Tithing is necessary. Tithing was before the law. It, it was before the law. Melchizedek, Abraham, that time Moses had not been born. It was there before. Don't give a dispensationalist argument. Most of the time, when people give dispensationalist arguments, it's simply because they don't want to give. Because if we are going by dispensation, New Testament giving, they were giving all. People were giving land. Then that means you don't give your tithe, but come and give land. Come and empty your account. Jesus was encouraging people to give their all. Because the widow, she gave her all. And Jesus commended her for doing that. He called somebody to come and follow him. He said, sell all your goods and give it out totally and come and follow me. That means he believes in giving your all. So if you are really going to do a dispensationalism argument, then you should be giving even more. It shouldn't be 10%. Hallelujah. But most of the time we use this argument because we simply do not want to give. One of the ways of being disciplined with your tithing Is to use a standing order. There's an account. You instruct your bankers. You see, we don't have a problem when our GMA dues are deducted as source. Because we believe it is our obligation as members of the Ghana Medical Association. Ghana and Necessary Midwives Association is our obligation. We don't have a problem when SNIT takes their, their, their percentage from source. 
We don't have a problem when Ghana Revenue Authority takes their uh, from source. I don't see why you should have a problem when your tithing goes from source. Because, you see, it is a safer way. Unless you don't believe in tithing. In this church, we don't put a cane on anybody. We don't threaten you with curses. We don't threaten you with scriptures. It is out of your own free will that you give that tithe. If you really believe in giving it, I don't see why you can't have a standing order that the moment my salary comes, this amount should go into this account. So the money doesn't even come to you for you to be tempted to accumulate it. One of the temptations when it comes to Titan is to accumulate it. Oh, this man, there's some need to be somewhere. Okay, let me postpone. Accumulating, accumulating, at the end of the day, you end up chopping it. Standing order. Some of you must consider it if you want to be disciplined in your giving. Hallelujah. Unless you don't believe in tithing, and I won't force you to believe in it, just like I've never forced you to believe in anything in this church. We need to be disciplined. We need to be disciplined in our speech. How we talk. I'll stay on that a little, and then we'll close. How we talk. Words are very important. And when it comes to talking and saying things, it is important for us to get it right. When it comes to what we say, where we say it, when we say it, to whom we say it, and then most importantly, how we say it. As Christians, we have to learn to discipline our tongue. We have to learn to know what to say at what particular point in time. It is such a reflection of your spirituality. People underestimate how much of a gauge or how much of a, a measure of your spirituality the use of your tongue is. Let me show you something in the book of James. Let me show you something in the book of James. Let's read James chapter 3 verse 3 down James chapter 3 verse 3 down James chapter 3 verse 3 down give me NLT alright give me NLT he said behold we put bits in horses mouths you know when you see a horse there's something in the mouth that they used to control it he said we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. So in the ship, they have something they call the rudder. It is very, very small. Ships can be very huge. There are ships that can take 10 aeroplanes, 20 aeroplanes. Ships are very, very huge. But the rudder that controls the ship is very, very small. It's just a small aspect of the ship. And the Bible is saying, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong. That's why. In the same way, somebody say in the same way. The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. What he's trying to tell you is that your tongue is small like the small bit in the mouth of a big horse. Your tongue is like the small rudder in the, what do you call it? In the ship. But it can do so much. Let's, let's continue. He said, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness 
corrupting your entire body. What you say can corrupt you. Another version says it can defile you. So the things that can defile you are many. What comes out of your mouth can defile you. It can make you dirty. It says the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness. Corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. That means just as the bit can determine the direction the horse goes. And the rudder can determine the direction that big ship goes. Your tongue can determine the direction your life goes. What you say with your mouth. How you say it. Who you say it to. Where you say it. And how you say it. Can determine the direction of your life. Verse 7. He said people can tame all kinds of animals. Birds, reptiles and fish. Verse 8. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. How many of you have gotten into trouble for saying the wrong thing before? Hey, those of you whose hands are down, congratulations. <laughs> saying the wrong thing. Look, even administration, a good administration can be spoiled by one wrong joke. One bad joke. You can preach nicely. You can worship nicely. And they say, let me, let me tell you this thing. And you are just saying, you are laughing in the middle and everybody's face is straight. You finish and everybody is quiet. And you are the only one laughing. And you say, did I say something wrong? Yes, you said something wrong. A bad joke. Simply because you couldn't discipline your tongue. Look, those of you who preach, don't get too excited when you are preaching. You can get to where you are too excited. And you will say things you are not supposed to say. Especially when a co-years are no, and the responses are coming, and then, 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 and even it's time, cry, oh, Charlie, the spirit is moving, let's move on. That is when things come out of your, that's why it's not your spirit, it's your soul. One wrong joke, and you may not even be able to stand on that pulpit again. You go to some churches, eh, and there are some things that are sensitive there. You may be indisciplined with your tongue and you go and touch on it. And you realize that every other good thing that you have said is just erased. And that is the only thing people remember. I watched a certain video. Eh? A pastor, he preached. Ah, and you know that way that people got excited and blah, 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 blah. And opened his mouth, something, something, and he used the F word on the pulpit. American preacher. And you know, America, they, they have a more serious view of those things than even us. So, like, they call it cousin. Your, your cousin. Pastor, he used it back like that. And you see, before something like that comes out on the pulpit, it means in private you have been using it. You have been saying, be careful some of the things you say in private. Oh. One day it will come out at the wrong place at the wrong time. the tongue let's look at Proverbs chapter 18 verse 20 I'll give you a few more scriptures and then we end Proverbs chapter 18 verse 20 NLT it 
It says, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. So there's something we call the right words. Say the right words. Yeah. When you're comforting somebody who has lost a relative, there are words that are right and there are words that are wrong. Hallelujah. Sometimes you want to comfort somebody and you end up making the person more sad. Sometimes you want to counsel somebody out of depression and your choice of words will even make the person condemn him or herself even more. So there's something called right words. Let's read 1 Peter 3.10. It will show you the extent to which your tongue or how you can discipline your tongue. It says, for the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. How many of you want to see happy days? Yeah. It says, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. We Christians, we don't have a very serious view of lies. But today, may that change in your life in the name of Jesus. Oh yeah, we think lying is a small sin. But throughout the New Testament, when grace came, I never saw God kill anybody for adultery or fornication or even murder. But two people died for lying. I'm talking about Ananias and Sapphira. It should tell you how God sees lying. The advent of mobile phones has made people lie as well. You are standing at Tema Station. I say, oh, I'm at Kolebu. Me or Kolebu. Oh, have you done this thing? Oh, yes, 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 I've done it. Meanwhile, deep inside you, you know you've not done it. Have you reminded this person to do so, so, and so? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Your intention is that immediately afterwards you call the person and remind the person. Lies. It says if you want to have happy days, you have to assume from lying. There are politicians who lied some time back and then later, when they are becoming big, they play back they are tapes and everybody sees that they don't speak the truth. They are liars. One of the most painful things is when somebody looks at you and tells you you are a liar. It's a very, very painful thing. But we are, we are not serious about lying. You see, lying, there are different categories. So. People lie when they are in trouble. It's like there is a situation and the way out is to lie. That is when the devil comes and tells you, do you really believe that the truth shall set you free? There are some situations you know that the truth will rather put you in chains. The truth will rather put you in trouble. A lie is what will set you free. I believe I've told you this story before. MBCHB final exam. Somebody got a cardiovascular case. The person was asked, have you done, you know, an anomalous circumstance you're supposed to do, dorsalis, speedies, pulse, and you know, things that normally we don't do. Examiners came, they asked him, have you done dorsalis, speedies, pulse? He didn't do it. He said, yes, I've done it. He said, hey, are you sure? He said, oh, yes, I've done it. Was the pulse there? He said, yes, the pulse was there. The patient had been covered from waist down. And the examiner just took away the bed sheet. A double amputee. Where did you get the pulse from? Phantom, <laughs> phantom pulse. 
He said, you are a liar. This happened in Kolibu here. It's not a story I'm telling you. He said, you are a liar. This profession you want to enter into is a noble profession. <laughs> you can't be lying like this. He said, the exams is over. Come back and write again in six months' time. Lies. That is when the devil will come and say, the truth will not set you free. It is a lie that will take you out. But the Bible is saying, if you want to have happy days, you must learn to tell the truth. Hallelujah. Look, there are some of these things. Eh? The examiners, they know that even them at their level, they don't do it. When they are practicing, they don't do their things. So if you, you just come, oh, the truth is, I forgot. Say, okay. Unless, of course, you have some cantankerous, evil, demonic examiner who is determined to have some casualties. Hatchet men and women. They come down there to come and hack people and to destroy people's lives and destinies. But we bind all of those people in your lives in the name of Jesus. They should be far away from you. Oh, there are people like that too. There are people like that. There are people like that. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians 4, 29. He said, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Let everything you say be what? There are some people, eh? Even simple things, when they want to say it, they will use abusive language. They want to tell you to stop what you are doing. Instead of saying, There's one guy on social media like that. The word jimie just comes out of his mouth like that. Such people, God will judge them. Say, <laughs> The things that come out of your mouth must be helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's the reason why a lot of people don't want to come near you. It's because you use very abusive language. You don't wear your words well. I know somebody, he said, he, especially when he's angry, the words just come out of his stomach. It's like he's vomiting. Reflex. Yeah, like that. No filtration. And you see, let me teach you something that will help you. Avoid talking when you are angry. It's a principle I have learned that has helped me. Just avoid talking when you are angry. Walk away. Because at that time that you are on an emotional high, you can't control what comes out of your mouth. And there are words people have spoken out of anger that have destroyed their marriages forever. There are some things when people tell you, eh, no matter how much of the Holy Ghost you have, all the devil has to do is to remind you, do you remember? And the feeling of how it felt the day the person said it comes back to you. How many of you have been there before? Yeah. It comes up, it's as if the person has said it fresh, like that. Don't talk. Don't, don't, don't handle issues when you are angry. Don't talk. Just leave it. Cool down. Think. Organize your words and your thoughts before you go to confront the person. Because that is when you feel like saying the most hateful thing to the person. Because at that moment, you are hurt to a certain peak and you want to, to revenge. Married people, take note of this. You, you can destroy. You know, there are marriages that, the marriage is there, but it's over. 
The people are together, but the marriage is not alive. They are just there for the sake of being there. Yeah, I know people like that. And it's because of abusive words the husband has used on the wife. The husband told the wife, you're a thief. Really, the two shall be one. What is mine is yours. She can take whatever she wants to take. You don't have any right. Hallelujah. This lady said, there was a time she went to bath and she forgot her towel, so she used the husband's towel and the husband was angry. Ah, how can I use my towel? Things like that. Why? Abusive words. They've gone for counseling, then, 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 but that hurt is that it will take the power of the Holy Ghost to take that hurt out of her. Say, you a thief. His money gone missing. He said, she has stolen it. Meanwhile, this is a wife who is gainfully employed and probably even has more money than you. Say, she stole the money. Don't open your mouth and talk when you are angry, when you are upset. Don't do that. Don't do that. You can be married to somebody, you are still married, but the person has lost interest in the marriage a long time ago. All because of consistent, hateful words that you have spoken to them. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let's read Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28. Proverbs 15, 28. Quick, quick, quick. He said, The heart of the godly things carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. So the Bible is telling us here that you must think and not just think, but think carefully before you open your mouth to say anything. Some people they open their mouth to answer before they think. They have put the cart before the horse. Let's read James chapter 1, verse 26. James 1 26. James 1 26. I'll be ending soon. It says, if you claim to be religious, we all believe we are religious, we all believe we are spiritual, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. That means how your spirituality can be measured by how much you are disciplined when it comes to your tongue and what you see. You can speak postgraduate and PhD tongues but if your tongue when it comes to speaking in understanding to people is not controlled the Bible is saying your religion or your spirituality is worthless so don't say oh media this is bad as for me when it comes like that I say anything and you are proud of it as for me I speak my mind I speak my mind Proverbs 29 11 that one give me King James Proverbs 29 11. It's for those of you who speak your mind. Mm, you believe you there, you are too honest. Now, honest, so you speak your mind. We, we, we pride ourselves in it. That if you can't say it, just call me, I'll say it for you. Now, down this one, let us read it together. Ready, go. He says, What? A what? Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. All right. A fool does what? Uttered all his mind. Or can I drink? But a wise man would keep it till afterwards. It's not everything you think about somebody that you should tell the person. Some of you do know what I think of you. 
<laughs> no, no, no. It doesn't say, I mean, I'm honest. So I use that. No, 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 no. Uh, you're wondering about the question I asked there. <laughs> no, no, no. If you say everything, you are a fool. That's what the Bible is saying. Say, mm, this is your body order. This is your body order. No, no, no. That's not how you behave. You keep it till afterwards. It doesn't mean don't tell the person no. But afterwards. A pastor said one time <laughs> in a church, there was this guy who had very bad mouth order. And people knew, but they couldn't tell him. And one day, somebody mastered courage. Told him that, brother, when you are celebrating your birthday and somebody gives you toothpaste or a toothbrush, it's a message. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's a message. He said somebody told him straight in the face that brother and the person came to the pastor angry to come and report. No, such a thing. You have to go home and go and think. And go and meditate and start doing something about it. We are, we are going to report to the pastor. Went to report to the pastor. Can you believe this is what he told me? And the pastor said, mm, it is true. He has helped all of us. <laughs> he said, a fool uttered all his mind. All his mind. Gentlemen, I've told you before. When your wife or your beloved asks, how do I look? It is a trick question. There's only one correct answer. You look good. <laughs> Go and try to speak your mind in that matter. And you'll see that the devil is real. <laughs> oh, he go over you. You'll get a combination of silent treatment, emotional blackmail. Like Nina, all their arsenal. You know the arsenals that women have. They'll put it all together and fire it at you. You will have a very, very bad week. A very bad week. It's only a fool who speaks all of his mind. Keep some. Keep some of the things. That's one of the things you have to break it to the people gradually. Don't just speak it like that. Hallelujah. And then, yes, this last one. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. Give me KJV for that one. And then we'll close. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. Now look at this one. It's very important. Very, 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 very important. It's like, he that covereth a transgression seeketh love. Transgression is like when somebody has done something wrong. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love. But he that repeated a matter separated friends. You go and repeat the matter. It means you go and report it. You go and say it. Sometimes you need to know how to cover things. For example, if I'm a pastor, two people are not talking or their relationship is not fine. And I speak to one person and the person says very abusive things about the other one. Like he's this, he's that, he's that, he's that. I don't think I can ever relate to him again. And then I'm trying to explain what the scripture means. And then when I go to talk to the other person, I say, hmm, it's a matter. Do you know what he said? He said you had this and this and that and that and that and that he doesn't think he can ever relate to you again. 
What am I doing? I'm separating friends. So those of you who take information from here and you go and report it here and sometimes between the here and the there you add pepper, you add salt, you add drama. You know, I can send a message to you to give to somebody. Tell him I said he should come. Very benign. But you can add pepper and salt. Hmm, he says you should come. And you add now. Thank you very much. Then this one says, ah, who does he think he is? You think I was, I was brought into this world for you to call me by heart like that? No, I will not go. No, all I said was, oh, tell him he should come. You are separating friends. Hallelujah. Tell bearers. Kokonsa. Some of you in Baku, you won't join. Nyumtuku, you won't join. In Paiboku, you won't join. The only one you like is Inseku. Isn't that the three word for a gossip? Inseku. That's the ministry you belong to. The Nippon Century ministry. When somebody lands on your desk, you cut the person into pieces. You say things about their father, their grandfather, their ancestors. You know why the person's nose is crooked? It's because their the grandmother went and slept with somebody's uh, uncle. May the Lord take the spirit of gossip out of the church. Yeah, there are a lot of people who have left churches because of gossip. When you hear something, keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. That's what he's talking about, covering transgressions. It doesn't mean hiding sin. That's not what he's talking about. You hear something, look like somebody has done something and then they don't go telling tales. Don't go spreading it. Don't go saying this person has done this and this person has done. What you are doing is that you are separating friends. The final one is a prayer. We are going to pray right now. Psalm 141 verse 3. Psalm 141 verse 3. Let me see how the NLT puts it. There's a particular word I'm looking for. Yes, it's a prayer you must pray on a daily basis. That Lord, take control of what I say. Oh Lord, and guard my lips. Everybody say, guard my lips. Yeah, your lips must be guarded against speaking evil. Against saying the wrong things to wrong people. There are people whose confidence has been crushed forever simply because somebody opened their mouth to say something. Somebody comes to share good news with you and you're like, oh, Nadia will cry because she it won't get anywhere. Somebody thinks, ah, I've achieved something like this thing is going to work. A business idea. Oh, this thing. Forget it. Forget it. You may think you are joking, but you've killed somebody's spirit. I'm sure some of you can, can, can remember simple words people spoke to you that affected you so much, killed your confidence, killed an ambition that you had. You need to pray this prayer. I want us to stand to our feet this morning. I want to pray to the Lord that God take control of what I say. If you are married, pray that in your marriage, God will take control of what you say to your spouse, even to your children. There are a lot of people who have cursed their children unknowingly into failure in life because of words they have spoken. People have used their mouths to curse themselves and lock up their destinies. Today, you are going to pray that Lord place a guard upon my lips. And if there are any things that I've spoken that are waiting for me in the future, 
may they be erased by the blood lift up your voice and begin to pray lift up your voice lift up your voice lift up your voice lift up your voice people have looked at their kids and said as for you dear you will not amount to anything they are curses in disguise. Some of you have even opened your own mouth and said, That's for me, dear. I don't want to be rich. We have used our own mouths to, to lock up our destiny. You want to pray that God, place a guard upon my lips. Place a guard upon my lips. Place a guard upon my lips. Can we have the communion elements come forward? Place a guard upon my lips. Can we clear the front here for the communion service? Lord, place a guard upon my lips. Place a guard upon my lips. The Bible says your, your spirituality is nothing if you don't have control over your tongue you can speak all the tongues in this world you can prophesy you can raise the dead if you don't have control over your tongue all of this is useless i want to hear you pray lift up your voice and 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 pray and begin to prepare your heart for the holy communion in this church, the only qualification you need for the Holy Communion is for you to be born again. Once you are born again, you qualify to participate in the Lord's table. And today we are taking this communion, believing that it will mark the beginning of new things in our lives. There will be a new beginning. A new beginning where discipline is concerned. Discipline in various aspects of our life. A new lease of life in our relationships, in our marriages, in our academics, in our ministries. Just pray that Lord, as I take this communion, let it mark new beginnings in my life. A certain head, a certain bitterness, a certain offense, letting it go, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let it mark new beginnings, in the name of Jesus, can we have the worship team up here, new beginnings, new beginnings, new beginnings, lift up your voice, new beginnings, new beginnings, let's be quick, let's be quick, let's be quick, new beginnings, New beginnings. New beginnings. New beginnings. New beginnings. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over these elements. I declare them sanctified. We declare that this bread is the body of Christ and this wine is the blood of Christ. Your word says, on the night that you were betrayed, you took the bread and after you had given thanks, you broke it and said, this is your body that is broken for us and that we should do this in remembrance of you. In the same manner also, you took the wine and after you had given thanks, you said, this is my blood of the new covenant that is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, today, we are obeying your word. As we come before your table, and we take of the body 
partake of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. We pray that the power of the resurrection of Jesus will be made alive in our life. Let sicknesses be healed. Anybody who takes this and is sick in any part of the body, let there be a tangible healing in the mighty name of Jesus. Anybody who is physically sick, emotionally sick, let there be healing in the mighty name of Jesus. And as we take it, let it mark new beginnings in our lives. New beginnings in our careers. New beginnings in our academics. New beginnings in our relationships. New beginnings in our marriages. New beginnings in our ministries. New beginnings in our finances. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Such an awesome God. So can I have the presiding elders come first? Such an awesome God. Such an awesome God. We trust you have been blessed by this message. For more information, reach us on 024-873-7250 or on our Facebook page, The Overflow Worship Center. Stay blessed. Overflow! Overflow!